From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fire some freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It's April 19th, 2023. Welcome to another Clover Tack Podcast powered by our good friends over at MTM case guard uh, and to uh talk about them for just a few minutes dropped a video i think last week maybe the week before with their high low shooting table uh and then also dropped a video with that predator table shooting the massive 50 bmg off of that dude so go check out those things for mtm case guard those videos of course and all the other cool stuff they have for ammunition storage uh, they're camping, their archery products, obviously shooting sports related stuff like tables and rests and other things. And uh, if you go over there and check out what they have at mtmcase-guard.com, uh, you can save uh, 10% if you use the code CLOVERTAC. So uh, either way, if you follow them on social media, then definitely drop them a comment, a line every now and then and say, hey, thanks for uh, taking care of CLOVERTAC over there because we really do appreciate mtm case guard we've got wes from uh goa texas in the house so we're going to be talking about some texas 2a stuff and uh while we're doing that obviously you can drop any of those questions you have for wes in the live chat uh keep them relevant keep them on point if you can uh, and please be patient we want to derail the conversation as we're moving forward but i'll flag those questions and we will uh definitely pull those up and try to get those answered as we move along, if you're in the replay world, uh, audio or video, uh, remember that you can, too, also participate in the conversation. Uh, there's probably a comment section down below. Scrolling at the bottom of the screen, always a big thank you to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those that super chat, super thanks, and shop clovertack.com slash shop. Uh, also, uh, proud to be a member of the firearms radio network uh, as well as the rapid fire radio network both really cool places with a lot of cool podcast creators and other things going on there check that out uh, and then also a member of the professional outdoor media association or palma uh real quick we're happy to be back uh, from uh, nram so the nra annual meeting up in indianapolis there's uh, i think six videos total to drop from that show so be looking for those on the channel as well. Am I forgetting something? I feel like I'm forgetting something, but uh, if I am, oh well, it uh, it is what it is. Let's get Wes in the house here. How are you, buddy? Hey, pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in. Thanks for joining. You yeah, are uh, said you said you're in Austin right now. So yeah, and it's about 60 degrees outside, so it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Right. My my audio is messing up a little bit, so hopefully we don't get too much background noise coming in. So right um yeah we i hear you fine so uh it should be good as long as you can hear me so uh i guess real quick i mean are you down there for legislative reasons right now or uh you got business or what's going on yeah so we uh we've got roughly six weeks left of the legislative session here in texas uh last night you know yesterday uh, i got up from brady left left brady went to uh to austin and got here eight in the morning had to uh, had to be at a committee hearing that started at nine. They recessed for a couple of hours for the House floor votes, and then went back into this committee. And that did not end until four thirty this morning. So I was up pretty late. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty freaking crazy. Uh, so for for those that don't know, 
what is the what's the GOA Texas? What is the what is that arm all about? So, yeah, so we are we're part of, of Gun Owners of America, the national national organization. Uh, one thing that Gun Owners of America has done pretty well is they started focusing real heavily on state legislation because. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look across the country, we're losing that on state levels right now. And uh, Texas is getting pretty close to, to being lost, too. Even after our constitutional carry victory two years ago, we're seeing uh, we're, we're seeing some some of that slippery slope kind of ideas coming in and, and possibly happening. And then, you know, we look at at the bills yesterday. So yesterday had a lot of the family members of Uvalde show up for these bills. There were 18 bills that we heard yesterday in committee and. 14 of them we were against so wow uh, you know and and then you know they give a lot of powerful testimony they went through some terrible terrible things terrible tragedy uh but the problem is 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 uh their idea of what the solution is isn't going to to help us it's it's actually going to make things worse And, and we have the solutions we have ways to do this that's within the constitution and unfortunately a lot of them think that uh you know just getting getting guns Basically, their their attempt is to limit who can get the guns, and what you really end up with is law-abiding citizens won't have the guns, and the bad guys will. Yeah, exactly. Now, with the with the legislative stuff going through Texas right now, uh, are there any pro two A pro gun stuff that stands out? Yeah. So one of my favorite bills, and this this came about. I don't think we really had this planned, but. Uh, uh, and we were looking at some things, but the short barreled weapons, we currently in the Texas Penal Code have short barreled weapons uh, listed as a prohibited weapon or pro- yeah, prohibited weapon. And so I was actually in the Capitol. I was getting ready to leave, ran into a friend named Tom Glass. And he said, hey, you remember the suppressor freedom bill last session? I said, yeah. And he said, why can't we do that with uh, with SBRs, SBSs? And I was like, that's an excellent idea. Uh, I called our lawyer. He's like, yeah, we can have that bill drafted in five minutes. And then uh, Richard Hayes Sr. ended up filing the bill, and we're pushing pretty hard on that. We've, we've been pushing it out on social media pretty hard. And and uh, that's one that I think we could get a victory on, but we need to see it sped up. Everything is slow rolling this session, and it's kind of frustrating. And then on the Senate side, uh, SB 354, which is licensed to carry for teachers, mm-hmm. the uh, – which we think is a great solution. Uh, you know, John Lott was with us yesterday. If you know who John Lott is. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And John Lott's fantastic. And, and he said multiple times in the hearings, the schools that have, uh, armed teachers have not had a single, single mass shooting at them. The, uh, yep. And, and we talked about that a lot. The, now I gotta tell you a story about the last bill we heard last night was where in Texas, you can use your license to carry to go in and purchase a firearm. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do the background check with it. It just uh, just the forty four seventy three form. Right. So uh, the bill that they were proposing is that every license to carry that's used to make that purchase of a firearm, that you're now FFLs are going to be required to submit that. Uh, they, they're going to have to do a check on the LTC every time. And along with some oh, wow. other problems, like if the system's down, then then the FFL is not going to be able to sell to you uh, with your LTC, which has happened before on some other issues. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, but uh, one of the things I brought up is I said, hey, you're looking at, uh, we did the math on it, it's 0.003%, you know, 0.003% of uh, licensed carry holders have had their license revoked. And then you mm-hmm. try to figure, just, just estimating, let's say one out of 100 of those guys, uh, you know, 
attempt to purchase a firearm with with the revoked license, that puts it down to 0.0003% of uh, license carry holders going to try. Yeah, they want to make every uh, license to carry uh, person that's using that to purchase a firearm, they're going to make the FFL do every check on that every time. And I said, you're asking the FFLs to do thousands of checks to find one guy uh, that may be using a revoked license right now. And, uh, and the Goodwin, Representative Goodwin says, but but this could help stop shootings, and if it just saves one life, which you've heard before. And, uh, and I stopped her, and I said, I'm really glad you just said that, because we have the license to carry bill for teachers, and you're saying you would advocate for uh, solutions that would just save one life, this would. Can you right now acknowledge that you would support that license to carry for teachers? And then she paused and realized she got caught in her own trap. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, took her a minute. And then she said, well, I support uh, like Marshall programs. I said, that's great. Well, you said if it just saves one life, you would support it. I'm asking mm-hmm. you to please support this. And she wanted to move on really quickly from that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's it's really asinine the way that they the way that they do that. I mean, they're you know, first of all, I mean, we all know that that the vast majority, if not all, of these these prohibitions and regulations only affect the criminal element, or I mean, only affect the the uh, uh, the legal firearm owner, not the criminal element, right? And they're and then this, they're trying to take it a step further with those that have went through the process for you know, the background check, the, you know, the classes for carry and, and everything else. Um, it's crazy because they've whittled that down now from just legal firearm owner to legal firearm owners that have went the extra mile, right? They, we've done what you've asked us to do and now we want even more. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, on we the, on this, go ahead. No, uh, we had not. a deal last night that was presented. Uh, and unfortunately it looks like there might be some, diff- some Republicans, uh, supporting this bill which is to raise the age to 21 to purchase an AR-15. Uh, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it looks like there's some committee members that are Republicans that have campaigned to pro, as pro-gun, and in their mind, somehow, they think that they're not taking away constitutional rights, but they're taking 18, 19, and 20-year-olds' constitutional right away to buy right. a firearm that they could use for self-defense. Right. Well, a right delayed is a right denied, right? Absolutely. We said that last I mean, night. Yeah, yeah. Um, Back to the, the, the carry thing, to the, the license to carry here in Texas. So I, I hear from a lot of other states, and I don't I don't pay attention with a lot of other states and what goes on because I don't know the political makeup there. I don't know the people. I don't know the landscape. There's a lot of things that are unknown to me, so I don't like speaking to that. Um, but I hear a lot of folks that when I talk about, uh, and I don't say that the LTC affords me the privilege of bypassing the background check. The way I put it is that is my background check. Um and they'll say, well, here in whatever state it might be, um, we can't do that. I mean, that doesn't work with our with our license. Um, do you know if Texas is more the exception or the rule when it comes to that? Yeah, I honestly don't know. Uh, you know, the my ego, my arrogance of Texas wants to say we're the exception to it, but uh, that, I know, think we I think we are in a minority of states that do that. Yeah, I really do, and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's 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 the case. And uh, if 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 that is the case, that may be their their push, right? That may be what kind of is giving them the the uh, gumption, I guess you could say, right, <laughs> to push yeah. something like that through. And we we also had there was some confusion last night with the bill, so 
uh, we had a bill written and, and filed by Carrie Isaac, which is great. And uh, uh, that bill is for national or not national reciprocity, but currently in Texas, the governor has to prove which states we have reciprocity with on license to carry. Uh-huh. And we put this for, bill forward that says, hey, we would like to recognize that, te- or that Texas will recognize all license to carries from all states. And wow. really, it's just kind of an olive branch of, you know, because there's states that don't recognize and recognize ours. And hopefully the gesture, the kind gesture will, will go both ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's about seven states or something like that, or maybe maybe 14 states that don't recognize Texas right now. Yeah. But uh, we're hoping that, that that's just kind of an olive branch to them. Uh, unfortunately, what happened last night was they started getting really confused, the, the committee members, on why we why this bill would exist and we're trying to explain to them look you can already come to texas and carry as a non-resident because of constitutional carry we're correct just trying to extend an olive branch for our ltc carriers right uh, in those states so. well and there's there's something to be said um there's something to be said about that that license right if somebody was to come here and partake of constitutional carry totally fine i don't have a problem with that but i think that as far as potential hassle right if there's some kind of an issue somebody coming here from out of state that has a license to carry from that state right they get pulled over maybe something looks suspicious maybe their car is the same you know make and model as somebody who robbed a liquor store who knows right um you know them having that license to carry and that be being recognized by the state that can hold a little weight in making things that misunderstanding right that situation go a little easier so uh, there are definitely some perks to it for sure In Texas, 150 anti-gun bills have been filed this session. Uh, one of the things we're seeing, not uncommon. Yeah, constitutional carry. You know, we had a lot of uh, from from my experience. You know, I got in about 2011, started coming to the Capitol, and every session I just saw it growing and how many people were coming to the Capitol and supporting open carry and then constitutional mm-hmm. carry. We had a lot of victories last session. Rachel Malone gets a ton of credit for all the work she put. Hundred percent. Yeah, and she's yeah. awesome. And uh, and anyways. Now that constitutional carry is won, we kind of see some people uh, on the sidelines not not coming, and the Democrats see that too, and they are going to come full force. They, when when they see us uh, being unengaged and and uh, what to them looks weak, they think that's an opportunity to come come after us. So. Yeah. Now, since you since you brought up Rachel, I was curious about. Um, can you talk about what happened to Rachel? Why did you come in and how that how that worked? I mean, what went on there? Now, uh, only thing I can tell you is, is she ended up getting her law degree and, and just uh, moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she okay. ended up having she had a kid recently, so I got gotcha. you. And was you life. already was you already kind of working back up or working around? I guess that's yeah, I was a, I was a hill country coordinator. Okay, uh, for, okay. so uh, I'd been been a volunteer for a couple of years with GOA and right. And had brought me in Rachel and Felicia brought me in on that and very gotcha. grateful for that I didn't know that that I was up for this job or, or being considered for it and, and I ended up with a phone call in July of, of uh, 2022 mm-hmm. asking if I was interested in it and you know they didn't have to ask me twice so right now is Felicia still around yeah yeah she's a comms director on the national side so oh okay she's on the national side okay okay I wasn't real sure what her role uh, what yeah. her role was I know you got some big shoes to fill with Rachel, especially yeah. after last session. <laughs> I, am, um, I, hope, I hope nobody judges me on my first year with how good she did on about her 10th year or so. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we, you know, and I'll say this. I mean, when when that was when that was going down, um, the first thing I'll say for those out there listening, uh, man, it was a long time coming for Texas to get constitutional carry. Like it was yeah. not like all of a sudden one day somebody woke up. Like this has been an incremental fight for as long as I can, almost as long as I can remember, thirty years or so. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah probably about 30 years at this point. Um, it's been that incremental fight, that chipping away. Um, and she was just kind of, you know, she was the right person. Cause I'm not going to say it was luck. She was the right person in the right place at the right time. It just all yeah. kind of come together with that. And it was pretty amazing. But to your yeah. point of the anti-2A bills that are submitted, and a lot of people don't realize this. It, it sounds like a, a crazy number. You're like, holy crap, 150 anti firearm anti-2a bills are submitted but if you go back and i've got a video i I spent a week plus doing some research on uh the makeup of the different districts with our legislature and and pro-gun versus anti-gun or pro-2a versus anti-2a because some some of it red flag laws for example don't really have anything to do with gun right uh banning things and stuff like that but they're still anti-2a and anti-freedom and anti-liberty um but um Year over year over year over year, that's not uncommon to have a super high number. And that, that's an approach they use, would you disagree, where they just throw anything and everything they can at the wall in hopes that something will get by and stick. Yeah, I feel like it, this year it's more than normal. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, they're hoping something sticks, and they're hoping maybe that we compromise somewhere. We know we're supposed to be the no-compromise right. organization. Right. And, uh, and right. so, you know, they'll – We've got a couple of Democrats that have said, hey, you know, we're willing to amend this bill some to if you'll come our way. And the thing is, is where the line is, is the Second Amendment. Like, we don't cross that line. Right. Yeah. We're willing to look at bills. We'll talk to anybody. uh, And if they're willing to bring that bill in line with the Constitution and where it's not uh, violating anybody's rights or excessive and restriction on something else, then we'll we'll consider it. We'll we'll go neutral on a position. uh, but, But we're still trying to. And we're. We're doing our best to be engaged, getting emails out there. We've got a pretty good good uh, base of, of email people that we, we send emails out to and a lot of events. we got got uh, Ted Nugent is going to be at the Capitol Wednesday with us and uh, nice. April 26th. And we're going to have Stephen Williford, Michael Cargill, uh, some other speakers there, which is going to be great. You know, speaking of, so Stephen Williford uh, from Sutherland Springs. He's yeah, the, we've, we've had him on there. before. Yeah, excellent, sure. excellent human being. Yeah, an uh, amazing guy. So, yeah. You know, he's the guy that stopped the shooter that was killing kids at Sutherland Springs. And he's there yesterday to testify. And one of the family members of the Uvalde, uh, the Uvalde tragedy, uh, said something to him that really, really bothered him. They said something to the extent that uh, that he didn't understand what uh, what they were going through. Wow. And so he's trying to explain to him, like, I've been there. I know that a gun stops the bad guy. And, and a lot of these family members, which, you know, they're hurting and they want to see a solution, but they're advocating that, that uh, leaving your children unarmed or not your children. Sorry, don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> leaving <laughs> leaving your children unprotected right. uh, without somebody there that, that's armed to defend them is yeah. somehow going to keep them safe. When well, that's the exact thing that happened was they were left there without anyone protecting them. So. And, the, and the sad thing about Uvalde, and, and, and I don't. I don't hear it talked about enough in the broader conversation, right? But they say, oh, we're going to, you know, we got to get rid of the guns. We got to get rid of the guns. 
And it's like, okay, there were how many law enforcement officers on the scene for how long before yeah. they did anything, right? Like, if you're going to make the argument that we need to keep kids safe and to do that, we need to take away the guns. Um, we need like a more immediate response here. Like what was it? Yep. Tennessee, Tennessee. What was the Christian school? Was that in Tennessee? I can't remember. Yeah, now. It, was it? it still took 12 minutes for the cops to get there, but they did immediately. That was, yeah, but they immediately went in. There was no waiting, right? There was no standing around. Uh, and yeah. 12 minutes is a pretty good response time. Um, yeah. you know, if, if, you, uh, if you think about PBS. it. Yeah. I interviewed with PBS yesterday and, and, uh, that you know they present as hey we just want to hear the other side of it and all that and and uh realize within the first 30 seconds their intent was to discredit uh where we stand on things but but i told them i said hey look the cops took about three to four minutes to get to uvalde the only people uh that had a chance to defend themselves were the people in that room before the cops got there when the cops got there they didn't do anything and that you are your best self-defense yeah you are are your best form of self-defense and so we, we kept reiterating in that interview, we have the Guardian program. Uvalde had the option to utilize the Guardian program. That's a choice they chose not to utilize. They could have had armed teachers there. They could have had signs out front saying that, that the school had teachers that were armed. You look at the Nashville shooter, the Tennessee shooter, what did she do? She went to, to the place that she felt had the least amount of security, and that's what most of them do. John Lott talked about it last night, saying uh-huh. that in 95% of the manifestos or something like that, they acknowledged that they were looking for the place sure. that, that was the easiest target. So. Yeah. Well, it's a path of least resistance, and that's yeah. nature, right? Yeah. Like, that's what people are going to do. I mean, if you, no matter what you're doing, right? If you're a 17-year-old kid trying to go buy beer, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the place that's notorious yeah. for not carding, right? That's yeah. where you're going to go. It's yeah, just, that makes it's, me think of uh, uh, all these laws that they're trying, these bills they're trying to get passed right now, only law-abiding citizens are going to follow them. And we kept reiterating that last night. Yeah. You're, yeah. Now, with the with the Uvalde and, and the testimony and other stuff going down there, have you heard any extended conversation on that law enforcement presence and what I think is just the screw ups with that? I know that the Texas legislature has, you know, there, maybe it was the Senate here, uh, had some hearings and had looked into a lot of different things. Um, are you hearing any of that brought up or is it just a straight take away the guns type argument? It's pretty much take away the type guns or make it very hard to get the guns. Uh, and, you know, so far, statistically, I think you can say that that uh, when you take away the guns from the people, only the bad guys have guns. Or when you make it harder for people to have guns, then they're less likely to defend themselves. So, Right. Uh, now, and- as as far as uh, you were talking about having some Republicans that's, that's liable to flip-flop on some things, our Senate is not nearly as strong as the House. That's typically you know been the case here for quite some time. Um but over in the house, are there some bills that worry you like, Hey, these might slip through. And if they slip through the house, they're almost assuredly going to get, get through in the Senate. Raising the age to 21. Uh, that's the for, big one. Okay. That's the one that really scares me from all the bills that we heard last night. That one really stuck out as the one, unfortunately that some Republicans that, that have campaigned as pro second amendment mm-hmm. uh, could support. And I think that, possibly universal support on from the Democrats on it. So we got to make sure to 
ask all the Republicans not to support these bills. If it gets voted out of committee, that's when we're going to start uh, really, really reaching out to people and asking them to send emails out and phone call. And, and I, I was in a legislator's office last night. Uh, you know, we were up there till 430 and, and I popped by legislator's office probably like two in the morning. I went and sat with them. Wow. And I said, I said, hey, uh, you know, we've been having having a lot of emails sent. So just our uh, red flag bill type thing. Well, really, we had an email that was to push that license to carry bill. And uh, we had 7,500 emails go to legislators from, from people responding to our, our emails, which is really good. And I asked the, the, not the legislator, but the staff, I said, does that, does that do anything? And he said, yes, it does. And he says, but phone calls from members of that district matter a lot. Uh, so they take they take if you take the time to call them to call your state rep and even if you have a Democrat, I still encourage people to call your Democrat because look at constitutional carry we had six Democrats vote for it that's that's mm-hmm. what helped us uh, you know and and uh, I think 100 percent of the Republicans voted for it because and that's what we noticed I'm gonna jump around a little bit here but the way constitutional got carry got passed was Rachel and a lot of activists putting pressure on their legislators and they knew that yep. it could affect their legis- their election if they didn't. Yep. Um you know, I I followed that really closely. I mean it was well once in a lifetime landmark landmark thing for sure. Um and I was going live, the committee hearings, you know, the floor votes, you name it, right? Uh I was going live and uh and streaming all of that. And the, it was amazing. I mean, I, there was times when I would have 15,000 people live watching that. Um, and it gave us the opportunity to say, call this person, call this, you know, call this legislator, this, that, and the other. And I can't remember his name, but it was from some district up in the panhandle at the time was in the Senate, I believe was, was holding out. He had not come out and said whether he was for or against it. Uh, um, that would have been uh, Kel Seliger, probably. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds familiar. Uh, and um, got replaced, thankfully. Uh, you know, parks. I just, um, you know, I called his office and I said, "Look, um, what's up?" You know, and they said, "Well, you know, you know, he's you know weighing it out and this, that, and the other." I said, "You know, basically, pooer, get off the pot." Like yep. I said, here's the thing: like I'm not in your district, but. I just come off a live stream with 15,000 people. And I'm sure out of those 15,000 people, there's some, and I know for a fact, elections can be won and lost with a few dozen votes. So like I I get, I'm not in your district, but I'm telling you, you know, declare if you're against it, just say it, just say, I'm against this. I'm not going to vote for it. Right. And, and take your lumps if that's the case. Um, and, And so that was a little worrisome, but, but yeah, there was a, there was a huge push. Um, if little old me was able to generate that kind of view and, and get that kind of people in it. And it was, what was awesome about this is we were live streaming these hearings and stuff. And for the people that hadn't been in Austin, you know, there was the, the committee room and then they had the overflow rooms and, and other things. There was a lot of folks down there. Um, we had people literally in the overflow room at the hearings, listening to watching and listening to the live stream we were doing and commenting while it was going on we had people in austin there testifying or whatever and it was amazing and we had the same thing even on some of the floor votes um we had a couple of comment a couple of people commented out there when we were live that oh hey i'm in the gallery here you know blah 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 and that was a really awesome dynamic and that's why we really have to harness these the technology like this to get our word out to get our messages out right to rally people 
yeah. um, is because here we are, we were broadcasting this, and it was almost like having a man on the ground, so to speak, or a woman, um, because we had people actually there. So they could relay in the chat like, oh, here's the vibe in the room, right? Here's the, the feelings and the sentiment, or maybe when the cameras went down, right? Because that happens too. Um, you know, the cameras go down or they turn the microphones off and you have those people down there that can let you know through the live chat out there what's going on behind the scenes because there's a lot that does go on behind the scenes and that was a concern when uh reconciliation basically had to happen right it went to the senate and it was like okay they don't like some of the stuff that the house did and so now we got to get all this back together and most of the legislators that were really for the constitution carry and push schaefer and the others um that were pushing it they kind of assumed my conversations with them was they kind of had a feeling it would probably go that route um rachel did too and they had contingency plans and stuff in place but nobody was telegraphing that right you don't it's kind of like war in a sense. You don't, yeah, you don't want to tell, you don't want to get out and information you don't. Right. Know. You don't want to telegraph your moves. And we had so many people that are like, oh, it's dead. It's dead. Texas is not going to do this. And I'm like, well, maybe. But I was privy to information I couldn't put out there. Right. And I'm yeah. like, if you do what I knew, you, you would know that it's likely going to happen. But, you know, that's the bad thing. So, you know, you've yeah. got to let, and it's frustrating too, you got to let that political. The political games, I don't even know how you would say it, or, or the political uh, wheels, you got to let those play out sometimes, which can yeah. be really frustrating. Like, here's a good example. Chip Roy, who I'm a big fan of, uh, right. you know, with the, the 20-man standoff against Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. I'm The whole time I'm sitting there rooting him on, and, uh, and, and I can see what's happening, but but Chip was getting a ton of pushback. He was was getting hammered by donors and and by constituents because they didn't understand what they were doing. And I guess, I mean, I guess they were hoping people could see it, but there were certain things they couldn't tell them. But in the end, McCarthy wanted Speaker of the House so bad that he gave in to all the all the concessions that uh, Chip and them were asking for. And in right. the end, people, you know, in the end, people saw what happened. Chip was a hero for what he did and what those twenty other guys did. And there were other guys that. That they don't people don't know about that were ready and prepared to switch over to vote against McCarthy too. So so there were right. there's there's some legislators that uh, I really like that that were voting for McCarthy and at first yeah. I was like what are they doing and then I kind of was tuned in on some of the things and I was like oh that makes sense like yeah I was so I I didn't have a problem with that I think that is when they do stuff like that and and I think. Um, no, I don't really have a whole lot, if anything, bad to say about Chip. Chip doesn't bother me. And by the way, in case you're wondering out there, we're talking about the federal level at this point. Yeah, right. We're not talking about Texas. But uh, Bobert from Colorado, right? There's there's a few that, that aggravate me. Like, Bobert aggravates me. Marjorie Taylor Greene absolutely drives me up the wall. Um, it's their decorum. It's their demeanor. It's just the way that they operate that aggravates me. I'll, I'll and, see Bobert this and, week. You want me to pass anything on here? <laughs> <laughs> tell her, tell her we need to get her on a podcast. That's this, what you need to do. This will be the first know? time I'm meeting her. Really. And because uh, and, she she aggravates me, but I'm not opposed to having a conversation with her. Uh, and what I was going to say is, even though her tactics, the way that the, those types of people, and they're not the only ones, right? Whether it's the federal level, state, it's it's political gamesmanship, right? Let's be honest. Right. Um, I understand that. Uh, and I'm not saying they're a bad person or anything for doing that. Uh, I just don't agree with or like the way that they do those things. However, they got they got demonized, that whole group, right, uh, yeah. for going against McCarthy. And that's what they're supposed to do. They represent yeah. the people, 
you know, and they were, it's not like they weren't doing anything that there weren't mechanisms in place for them to do. Like, it's not like they were breaking rules, right? Or going outside the boundaries of what they're allowed to do uh, as a representative. So it was, it, I hated to see how they were demonized for yeah. that, that aspect of things. I, I wish my congressman would have had a spine to stand up uh, for what Chip and them were doing and stand with them instead of just cowering down. Because here's what we see a lot uh, in state and federal uh, legislators are afraid that if they stand up to leadership for what they believe in, that they're going to get put in this corner where they're not going to get anything done. Their bills aren't going to pass. And, and that may be true, but, uh, you know, we want to see the fighters. We want to see the guys that, that ran on the campaign as a, with a certain message and we want to see them stick with it. Uh, it's also a little hard to watch, you know, Kevin McCarthy, if you, you know, this getting a little outside of the gun stuff, but, uh, Kevin McCarthy has voted for spending bill after spending bill. After oh yeah. Bill. Yeah. And then now to look at him kind of being lifted up as a hero when he's not the hero in the story, it's Chip Roy and them that, that forced him to be that way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if more people in the legislation uh, would not let fear uh, of leadership dictate their actions, we actually could get, I think, more done and put more pressure to, to advocate for things. So Yeah, I think so, too. And you're right. I mean, it's, you know, I, I say it all the time. I hate partisan politics. I don't necessarily identify one way or the other. Uh, they're two wings of the same dirty bird, in my opinion. Um, and I, I think you you made a valid point, especially when it comes to uh, the fiscal side of things. Um, the, at this point, there's no difference between a Democrat and Republican. Let's be honest with it. I mean, what they spend the money on might be slightly different, right? The line items may, may look a little bit different, but they're not opposed to writing checks for money we don't have and our kids don't have and our grandkids yes. don't have. You know, we're, they say we're 30 trillion in debt right now, which is insane. But uh, they say that the actual number is around 200 trillion when you look at oh, yeah. promise benefits. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, and, and as it draws out and as interest, as it draws out and inflation happens, because that's a normal thing. And as it draws out and interest accumulates, right? And all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, one um, of the problems I've, I've had a hard time with lately is, I watched a lot of legislators remain dead silent during COVID, during the printing of trillions of dollars, uh, you know, shutting businesses down, screwing up the supply chain. We have our family business is, is heavy truck repair and uh, and it messed up a lot of supply issues for us. And and it's also made it a lot harder with the inflation now at 20 percent from from those things. And we watched the legis legislators stay dead silent. And now they're painting themselves as these patriots that stood up and fought for you. And it just blows my mind how how they can so i'm not saying all of them are like this i'm just saying there are some that that were dead silent they knew that they they took the coward position on things and now they're spending a ton of money to tell their constituents how much of a patriot they are fighting for them so yeah. right right yeah. uh so we got a couple of a uh, couple of questions out there by the way if you're live you've got questions for west 2a related especially texas 2a related stuff uh, or goa in general throw them out there uh, we've got uh, MC out there. He says, does the GOA have a recommended realtor list for pro to a realtors if someone uh, from a communist state is looking to move into Texas? Uh, do you have anything like that? That's I know a lot of. Uh, uh, we had the resources to figure out who the uh, the best realtors are that support our, our stuff, but uh, and probably get you in the right neighborhoods, too, that way. But uh, 
uh, now we don't have anything. It's a kind of a clever idea. We just, our resources are all focused on legislation right now. So, right. Well, I mean, that's a project, uh, another organization or somebody yeah. may, may hear this and decide to do it. Okay. I know that there are a lot of career paths, a lot of, what's the word? Yeah, well, I guess that would be it. Um, <laughs> a professions, a lot of professions uh, that they're doing that pro two a lists and things yeah. through them, which is kind We've of had a lot of requests for good trainers, like uh, people asking us if we who, what trainers we recommend. And and currently, GOA you know is focused on legislation, but uh, but anyways, I think it would be a great idea at some point if if uh, we have the resources in the future to have endorsed trainers to recommend people to and uh, right because. I'm a big believer in training. I'm not, I 100% do not advocate for government mandated training, but I 100% advocate for everyone getting all the training they can. And I got into right. competitive shooting thinking I was a great shooter and I got humbled super quickly. <laughs> and, uh, right. and then I've had to work really hard just to become what I consider average in the, in the competitive world. So, yeah. right. Well, you know, that part of being a safe and responsible firearm owner is, you know, understanding firearms, right. And being competent and all that stuff. Right. Uh, and I agree with you. It, it should not be mandated at all, but that should be a mentality that I think everybody should, uh, should succumb to is like, Hey, we, you know, we definitely need to, at, at least to a certain level. I, I, you know, I don't think I'm not a big fan of the tactical operator trainings that go on and stuff like that, but basic safety training, um yeah definitely familiarization yeah definitely um you know training from a uh defensive standpoint that uses realistic right scenarios that's fine i like yeah. i'm all about that i think that's that's good um and i think even people can take it upon themselves i mean we live in texas i have a range in the backyard i have property on the uh on the other side of town here um you know you can get all types of training material, right? We live in the age of the internet and everything else online. You know, you should be training if you don't go to a, an instructor, uh, at least get some of the, um, you know, training drills and stuff like that, right? Look at those, copy those, get out on your range or go to your local range and at least practice those, right? That's better than nothing. Um, we don't want firearm owners, those that are utilizing them for self-dispense especially. And I think this happens all too often. They they purchase a firearm, first-time firearm owners, right? Especially after the summer of love we're coming through, right? Pandemic, the lockdowns, the summer of love. There was a lot of people in this country, evident by firearm sales, a lot of people in this country that bought their first firearm, bought a box of ammunition, and what did they do with it? They went home and put it in a nightstand drawer. Yeah. Right. Uh, and oh, I got it if I need it. <laughs> and it's like, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't like that approach. <laughs> I would prefer them to be familiar with it. No safety protocols, uh, not just familiar, but comfortable and competent as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, worthwhile fun out here says, uh, it's a great question, by the way. Uh, how many anti-gun bills get hearings? Do you uh, have no, any I, idea? No, I hadn't done the math on it. I know we have 150 that were filed. My guess is, thinking about all the committees we've been to and the bills we've heard, there's probably been about 50 to 75 total that are, are getting hearings. So, yeah. Right. Some of those bills, I think, were, were just filed just because they wanted to show that they were trying to do something. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but anyways, most of them won't get heard. I think it has a lot to That's... do with... Uh, 
you know, how long you've been your seniority, uh, positions you've taken before, whether you're going to get a bill hearing or not. Yep. So, yep. Uh, we've, we've, uh, on the license to carry the SB 354, uh, Senator Hall, who filed that, has requested a hearing twice now. And Dan Patrick has rushed several bills through the Senate and got them passed for whatever reason. Uh, Brian Hughes is the, the chair of that committee, the State Affairs Committee. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, neither one of them are, are giving this bill a chance to be heard. And I, now, I haven't wow. checked uh, today, so hopefully maybe it gets put on the list for four. Right. We're running out of time uh, wow. this week. If, basically, if a bill didn't get heard by this week, it's probably dead. So. Yeah, I am um, and never really have been a huge uh a huge fan of our lieutenant governor. Uh, Patrick is just. Well, I he, do remember. I want to. He, he bothers me. <laughs> I hope he does the right thing, but I do remember constitutional carry. Uh, you know, and, and it's my understanding that that he was trying to get that killed behind the scenes. And, oh, he played some games. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. You were right. It was definitely the pressure that we, all of us, because it was. I want him to. He's uh, campaigned being pro two A. I want him to show that at the session. So yeah. Yeah. But, you know, back to your point uh, real quick about, um, you know, about filing these bills. So what I see a lot of times, and and I'm glad you brought that up, and and I'm also glad we've got people like you that we can talk with. Um, I'm glad that we've got, I mean, if you're not familiar, if you're out there, whether you're from Texas or not, (coughs) pardon me, if you don't follow your state-level organizations definitely do that because that kind of gives you a better perspective because if you get it would get on youtube and just listen to talking heads on youtube right they take everything that is submitted and they freak people out and they blow it out of proportion right um and what you said is right there's a lot of politicians that they run on some type of uh, of an anti 2a anti-gun platform right and so for their re-election, they have to submit bills, knowing that they're never going to see the light of day, right? Yeah. They have to submit those bills to be able to say you're right, to be able to say go back on the campaign trail or whatever or their fundraisers and go, hey, I tried. I yeah. submitted it, and they just it just didn't go anywhere. Um, so we need to be paying attention not to everything. Um, well, the most attention right needs to go to specific things we need to obviously we need to pay attention to everything and know that something was submitted and it's a possibility um but we need to definitely be paying attention to the right things because sometimes we can be focused on the wrong bill right it's one over here and it's like you know what this one really doesn't have a chance but we're focused on it because it looks so horrible and then in the meantime this one over here gets shoved through the back door right smoky room deal or whatever the case may be yeah and what's interesting uh you know a bill gets filed like it's not just the bill gets filed and then whatever that language is of that bill is is what carries on uh there's constantly we've we've gone to committee hearings for bills and we go in there ready to to uh defend the bill or to to oppose the bill and uh anyways we're like oh by the way i'm going to submit a committee substitute right now and then we don't know what that bill looks like that that we're trying to testify for or against. And then uh, and then sometimes they don't even have the substitute ready. They just say, hey, we're going to substitute this later. And so the hearing didn't get to reflect what the actual bill language is. Right. Yeah. So um, is there sometimes. Sometimes it's for the better because sometimes we recognize or we point out something that wasn't pointed out before. And they acknowledge that, hey, that is an issue. We're willing to fix that. So that's that's right. a good thing, too. When that happens, so. Right. 
gonna go to these comments again. I'm not sure what Calaveras is getting at here, but I'm gonna bring it up. Uh, says is Chio hey helping in the push for constitutional carry? Well, they certainly did a couple years ago when we got it. Past so, tense, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, they. Oh, they... You know, okay, I think I, I think I know what he's talking about here. So right now, technically, it's considered permitless carry. So ah, gotcha. there there could be uh yeah, we don't have true constitutional carry this session. It's not gonna happen. We can tell that. We have a 57% Republican House and a 66% Republican Senate. Predominantly, all of those that are, are Republican re campaigned as pro 2A, uh, but we are not seeing the the motivation from those guys to carry our bills. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 a chipping away, and what makes it worse for Calavera, it's just so he and he's probably heard me talk about this. We've got an every other year legislature here in Texas. So that's good and that's bad. That's good because only they can only jack stuff up every other year. But it's also bad because when you're trying to incrementally change something, right? Like you can only push it every other year. Yes. Yeah. So I have some big plans for next session. You know, this being my kind of my freshman session as a state director. Right. Uh, looking at what works, what doesn't doesn't work and you know, I kind of think that we need to just pick three bills that we really want to push really hard. And a couple months before the session starts, we hammer those really hard on legislators. Hey, this is what we want to see passed. And then we ask, uh, ask you know, everyone that helps out with GOA, uh, civilians and whatnot, to, to also reach out to their legislators. And so that's what we saw with constitutional carry. It was just a, a momentum of, of building up and pushing uh, very specific bills and, Right. I think that's what we need to do next session. Instead of giving them a chance to kind of balk and say, oh, we already gave you constitutional carry. It's like, no, we have these bills that we want to push. And right. predominantly, it's going to be on the the Guardian program right now has to be approved by school boards. Most of the school boards vote against it or don't even vote on it at all. Uh, we want to bypass the school board on that program. So that way uh, anyone can participate in it. And maybe maybe there's they pay for the training on their own or something. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, at, at one time, and, I, and uh, forgive me because I, I may have not, it may have slipped through the cracks and I didn't know. At one time, school districts could opt into one of two plans, the Marshall or the Guardian. Yep. Is that still the case? That they have the option? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. And okay. Fortunately, they're, they're schools that have rejected both of them. So. Yeah, that makes it sad that they have, a, they have a buffet. They have a smorgasbord, basically, of options, and they still choose to do nothing. Yep. The, uh, you know, last night... Just kind of just become kind of became obvious we have constitutionally sound solutions for this that are statistically proven mm -hmm. and they don't want to use those which tells me they don't really want the solution they just want to get rid of guns well of course not it's um yeah that's that's the way it is they just want to be able to complain and use something for fundraising purposes, I think a lot of them that wants to see us disarmed and i think they're that same group of people is using the emotions of uh certain people so those those people that are having their emotions played think that they're doing the right thing or have the right solution, and they're mm -hmm. being played by the people whose ultimate goal is to disarm America. So. Right. Uh, getting back to some uh, comments. We got one out here. I'm going to throw it up from our friends over at the Armed Attorneys. Don't know if that's Richard or Emily or who. Probably Richard, if I was guessing. I'm sure you know uh, the Armed yeah. Attorneys out there, uh, two of Richard our favorite Hayes. people. Yeah, Richard Hayes, Emily Walker, yep. or Emily Taylor, uh, Edwin Walker, and Dylan uh price are yep. fantastic yeah great and they just dropped uh it was richard i believe that that uh just dropped an update on the forced reset trigger the frt stuff if anybody out there is following that jump yeah. over on their channel and check that out but two of our favorite people they say great work 
Chris of West, GOA, all the way. So I don't know how people know this, but but they authored the Constitutional Carry Bill, nineteen twenty-seven, that passed. So pretty pretty impressive. I'm 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 blessed to get to know guys like them and Stephen Wilford and many other people, which is is pretty awesome. Uh, now to yep. go back to that force reset stuff. Uh, I was doing an interview in Fredericksburg on the Patriot Radio over there, uh-huh. and a former police officer had called in, and he said that uh, he was got a call from his buddy who was a detective with uh, the Gillespie County Sheriff's Department and the detective said hey you still got you got one of those uh, wide open triggers and he said yeah yeah I got it and he said well just to let you know I've got you on the phone with two ATF agents and they're coming to confiscate it uh, <laughs> I mean that's that's crazy uh, um, set him up for failure uh, thank you so that's kind of a- attention with friends yeah. like that who needs enemies I guess it's, right but, uh, a ton of ton of uh people are very upset at the sheriff's department over there in gillespie county and hopefully the sheriff i, I want to assume the best that the sheriff just didn't know that that was happening so hopefully the sheriff uh found out and put his foot down and, and kerr county is getting an earful right now because it's not that they did anything but but citizens from that heard what happened in gillespie are calling their sheriff and they have a great sheriff sheriff letha so hopefully he stands with the second amendment and tells the atf to go pound sand at right. the, that same week i got a call from burnett county and uh, anyways, a guy, EP Armory, uh, great, great gun shop there in Burnett. He, uh, he called me up and said, hey, one of my clients just got a call from the ATF that they're coming to confiscate his, uh, his wide open trigger. And, you know, a few months before that, another call I'd received from a precinct chair over in, uh, what's that, Fayette County, LaGrange. And uh, anyways, he said one of his friends got a visit from the ATF. And so he called the sheriff's office and said, said, uh, hey, I want you guys here before I hand this over to the ATF. So, Right, yeah. yeah. Mason County, I don't know if you know where Mason is, great town. Uh, I called them shortly after that interview with the Fredericks over there in Gillespie County. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and anyways, I asked my friend who's the deputy there. He's a great, great guy, pro 2A, hardcore. And uh, and he said, no, our sheriff has already told the ATF to go pound sand on, on a different issue. So he nice. said, I'll pack it on to him. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Texas sheriffs that are that way, thankfully, that are you know, all about, all about Texas. Uh, Calaveras out there with another one here. He says, does GOA support national reciprocity? I believe we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I think, you know, in my study, I can't speak on behalf of the national for this, but, uh, I think I remember them supporting the national reciprocity. And then I know that there were some constitutional concerns about, uh, the 10th amendment and forcing states to do that. But, uh, right. But that may not have been GOA that brought that up, but but I know that that was a concern brought up on, on it. Ultimately, I feel like the Second Amendment applies across the country, especially if you use the Fourteenth right. Amendment and incorporated rights. And uh, the right to carry, I think, is is universally should be across the United States. So. Yeah, I think I think national reciprocity, national reciprocity. If I can get it out, I think national reciprocity legislation from the federal government. And the idea of national reciprocity, right, are kind of two different things. Like, I mean, who would be against? I mean, we've got driver's license. We can cross state lines and do things, right? And that's a and that's a privilege. That's not even a constitutionally guaranteed right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, – I mean, the Second Amendment, it's – now we have all these laws on the book. When the books, when the Second Amendment was very clear, it's a restriction on government uh not on the people but yet here we are uh which is 
you know, GOA exists because the National Firearms Act was created. We, we were founded in 1976 by H.O. Richardson, but our entire job is basically fighting against what, what the National Firearms Act has done. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that really was the, the piece of legislation, I think, that put uh, that kind of put everything in motion. And, of course, they added on in 69. They added on in 80. 86. 86. Yeah, yeah, 86. Uh, thankfully, 94 went away. Um, yep. And I'm a big proponent of, I wish that, I wish that we could move to a model. I don't understand this. Something goes on the books and it's on the books forever, right? Like what they, they never backtrack anything government does for whatever reason. And it's like, I, I wish there was some type of rule, some type of, whether it's in the Constitution or whatever, that any piece of legislation passed has a sunset. Now, you could you could vote to extend it for another two years or four years or ten years or whatever, whatever, but it has to have a sunset. And I think that would solve so many problems if we did Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. It's outside of my wheelhouse on, on uh, about that, but... But yeah, the sunset idea, I kind of like in a way, uh, you know, as long as, I mean, ultimately the, the end goal is any, any law created that violates the second amendment, we have to get rid of. So yeah. Um, right. And we're seeing a bunch of rogue states right now, even post Bruin, uh, coming yeah, up. Yeah. They're just thumbing their nose. That's what's crazy. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't understand this. They, the Supreme court for- clearly said, right. It's a single tier thing. Like the, the two tier don't work like quit. And yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of nullification, but what they're doing is the exact, uh, I mean, in a way they, they're viewing it as nullifying, but they're completely ignoring the constitution and the process right. fitting in the face of every, every second amendment supporter across the country. So. Right now, now speaking of, of Supreme court and courts in general. So you talked about, um, the legislation that is, uh, in Texas and Austin right now, uh, about basically the suppressor freedom, but with SBRs now, is that like, the suppressor freedom where that will definitely have to get fleshed out in the courts later on. So we have a, a uh, preliminary injunction co-filed with the attorney general's office here in Texas, uh, GOA does. And that is to challenge the pistol brace, the unconstitutionality of it. What we're hoping is, which I think we have right now, we have a really good chance of a victory. If, if we kind of keep going in the same direction, we're going with the court rulings. Uh, I think we have a chance to rule, to have a ruling that says that the National Firearms Act, where it limits the barrel length, uh, is unconstitutional. And if we can get the Texas Penal Code in there and get Texas showing the the same position, I think it's going to help us in the long run. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Cool. And, and to that, uh, you know, suppressor freedom bill. Uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton has filed. That, so in that bill, that suppressor freedom bill required that uh, a citizen asked the attorney general's office to challenge uh, the right for for this to build a suppressor if it's made in texas kept in texas and the uh ken paxton has filed that challenge and a lot of people right. will kind of be like oh the suppressor freedom bill didn't do anything but it's a slow process and right. there were some critical parts of that bill that that are hopefully in due time or are going to to give us the victories we need in there so you know some future bills we'd like to see is uh is a lot of take a lot so interstate which is with this which in the state within the state and then you have mm-hmm. interstate which is multiple states the uh, right there's a lot of other options we can do on interstate that i think could work which uh if if we win the suppressor freedom bill hopefully we can get maybe ammo manufacturing or uh, oh yeah sbrs you know if, if it's built in texas so uh right 
maybe there's there's some future bills that we can look at at applying there. The short barreled weapon one, uh, you know, Richard Hayes, and I'm assuming that might be him that, that posted there. Uh, Richard Hayes is the one that drafted that bill. So. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's shift gears here, Wes. We're we're coming up on the top of the hour here. Uh, shift gears a little bit, and let's have a little fun. So I've got uh, a little game we're going to play for a minute or so here. And um, it's super easy. I'm going to give you two, two choices. You don't have to explain your choice, but you got to pick one. So uh, here we go. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Modern, uh, modern Star Trek. No. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um you rather have an ATV, or or as we call them in Texas, a four a four wheeler, uh, or a uh, or a boat. Yeah, I'm on a ranch a lot, so I'll take a side by side if that's part gotcha. of the. Well, the so, four wheeler, uh, okay, yeah, that that would count. Yeah. Uh, French fries or tater tots. Tater tots, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. Had you rather have a fighter jet or a tank? Fighter jet. Oh, okay. there you go. Do you know how to do you know how to fly it though? I gotta... uh, so I'm Air Force, but no, I don't know how to fly. Everybody thinks that <laughs> right. Air Force you're a pilot, but uh, fighter jets. I've actually looked at what it would cost to purchase, uh, like an, an old MIG, retired MIG, and all that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, you know they're they're somewhat affordable compared to what you would think they would be, but uh-huh. uh, to operate them apparently is really really expensive. So. Right. Um. Yeah, with, with I know a couple of guys that are pilots, and they're like, you know, an airplane is difficult. They're like, a jet is actually pretty easy. A jet, you point it in the direction you want to go, and you pull the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they, what they say. Um, so, had you rather vacation in the mountains or on the beach? Okay, that's a tough one. Uh, most of my vacations are hiking. Uh, and, okay, here's, here's I know i got to give one. I'll say mountains, but hiking in Hawaii on the mountains okay uh, yeah that's that counts yeah yeah um so uh had you rather carry a folding knife or a fixed blade knife boulder um, well, i should say i would rather carry a fixed blade boulders what i always go to <laughs> boulders what you go to yeah gotcha yeah i think that's pretty common uh had you rather climb mount everest or dive in the mariana trench mount everest okay cool yeah i would uh i would almost agree what about k2 would you ever tackle K2? You know, I've, I've thought about this because uh, <laughs> I'm an adventurous spirit. Uh, Everest, if I had the funding and the opportunity to do it, I do think it's on my list, but I'm still kind of 50-50 on that one also. So yeah. It's not that – yeah, Everest is not that bad uh, yeah. because it's been climbed so much and it's commercialized yeah. at base camp and just all the infrastructure around. Um and so it's not terrible. K2, uh, last last I looked, you've got like one out of four or five people die climbing K2. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was hardcore for, for Everest for a little while. And then uh, I remember hearing about that the bodies are just all over the place, frozen uh-huh. in, the, in the ice, and they're going to be there's there. A, there's an app that is like Google Satellite or whatever that you can track the bodies on wow. Everest. It's inter- it's pretty interesting. So yeah. uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it's out there if anybody wants to look that up if they're interested in that sort of thing. Um yeah, I've never climbed a mountain or anything like that, but it that's 
that's really interesting because I've seen drone footage and GoPro from Kilimanjaro and K2 and Everest. And it's just gorgeous up there. It's like, yeah. holy crap. If you could be on that, looking at, you know, literally on the top of the world, looking at that would be kind of yeah. cool. I think the thing I enjoy now is hiking. I do section sections of the Appalachian Trail at a time. And oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah so I, I really enjoy that more than anything else right now. Right. Stuff, yeah. Right. Um, well, yeah, we're up at the top of the hour already. That went super quick. Uh, so I want to give you a uh, give you a couple of minutes here, Wes. Uh, there is obviously going to be links below where everybody's listening and watching uh, to go check out uh, Texas GOA. But if, if folks want to follow, is there social media presence? Is there things like that? Where can people keep up with uh, what you're doing, maybe? Uh, let you kind of give a, a little spiel here at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of my weaknesses is probably being active on social media, but but it, <laughs> in, in today's time, it's super critical to that's how you engage with people. So right. Instagram, you can find us on Gun Owners Texas, and uh, Facebook, we have our Facebook group, which I highly recommend if you're not a part of, go go click click and ask to join that. It's a private group, but if it's asked to join, we'll get you approved on there. And then uh, GOATexas.com is our website, uh, specifically to cater towards Texas. And you'll see a lot of good information on that website. We have uh, events that are coming up. We have uh, bills that we're trying to push for and email alerts. And then we also have a list of our scorecard, which is all the bills that we're tracking right now. Uh, Richard Hayes helps us out a lot on those bills. And uh, and a lot of that stuff is, is he reviews the bills and, and decides, you know, good, bad or ugly, uh, which ones nice. we support, neutral and against. And and uh, he gets a lot of credit for, for that scorecard. So we have that scorecard right. listed on our, our website, too, which you can find. And then awesome. national site, gunowners.org. And we are membership driven. Uh, we are funded. You know, we are very intent on on uh, your money going directly towards affecting legislation that affects you and so we're supposed to be good stewards of memberships and so you won't find us buying a bunch of you know we don't have fancy buildings fancy planes whatever uh and we're all we're all doing this because we love it so none of us are really just going to come out well off or anything from this so, but yeah well so, so where do your suits where do your suits come from i'm just curious are they jc penny uh, suits or Express and Men's Warehouse. Well, there you, <laughs> you know, go. Men's Warehouse. Gotcha. Express, surprisingly, uh, I always thought of that as like a girl store and yeah. uh, have some pretty nice, nice guy suit stuff there. So, right. So, a lot from there. So. Yeah. So, you've never worn a $30,000 suit. That's what you're no. saying. <laughs> no, it's, and it's like my jacket's $300 and I'm always looking how to get it on discount. <laughs> right. The two for one sale or something. Uh, yeah. It hurts to pay that much for a jacket, but there's guys also. Oh, way I more. agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Wes, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in and having a conversation with us here. We definitely need to make sure that that uh, the early podcast seasons and legislative years that we get you in here. So if I don't remember to get you scheduled every single time, uh, definitely reach out to me and say, hey, dummy, you forgot to schedule me <laughs> and let's get you in that way. We can keep people up to date. But, um, you know, if we need to get you on on a later season, if anything, uh, breaks free or whatever. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you're, you guys send out email alerts and all that, but if I need to do anything, uh, to put it out to my audience, to yeah. let them know, we be sure, be sure you let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate and, uh, everything you do and just call me too anytime. So that works. Thanks. Uh, appreciate it, Wes. Sure. 
And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, it. We're going to close this one out by saying, uh, first of all, of course, thanks to MTM Case Guard. Uh, be sure to go check out mtmcase-guard.com. All the cool stuff. Use CloverTac. You can save 10%. You know the drill on that. Um, I don't know if we're going to have a podcast, record a podcast, I should say, tomorrow or not. I'm having some scheduling issues with the guests. But if we don't, if we don't, we will have uh, two uh, on the hook for next week. And I can't remember exactly who it is. It might be, I think, Gabby Franco. You guys know Gabby. She's awesome. And then uh, we've got, I think, Kyle with Anderson Manufacturing maybe next week. So uh, just want to throw that out there in case there's not a podcast tomorrow. But there's a lot of folks that watch, listen these to these in replay. So it really doesn't matter. I uh, want to say thanks to everybody. Great questions. Great comments out there this time. I love it. Uh, and um, remember, if you're in replay, wherever you're at, continue the conversation uh, down below. Let me get over here to this uh, because we are out of here. So thanks for uh, joining in the conversation. We appreciate it. Till next time, don't forget to change fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out CloverTac.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CloverTac Podcast.